0: So golf is, I mean, if you're not playing, you're not making money. So a lot of girls, you have to say, I'm willing to give up my income for a year to have a baby.
1: People do have an affinity. If they are a fan of a league or of a team, they will reach up at a shelf. And when they see two bars of soap, but one has the logo of a league, they tend to gravitate towards it.
2: Welcome to the Sports Business Radio podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at sb radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years. And on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Two guests for you on this week's show. First, Stacey Lewis. She's a 12-time winner on the LPGA Tour, a two-time major winner. She has been the number one female golfer in the world twice and the LPGA Player of the Year. So she's very decorated. I had a chance to sit down with her in person while she was in my hometown of Portland. She won the Portland Classic last year. So I sat down with her at Media Day. She's got a really interesting story. Uh, specifically KPMG is one of her sponsors and Stacey is pregnant with her first child. And guess what KPMG is doing? They are going to pay her while she's on maternity leave. So it's a really interesting concept. I think this needs to be done more with, uh, women's athletes who are playing professional sports. Interesting conversation with Stacy Lewis. That's coming up on our show this week. And then our friend Jim Cozumore. He is the chief strategy officer for sports ETFs. If you've always wondered about the companies that invest in sports sponsors of the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, Major League Baseball, sports ETFs is put together. Uh, Fund and it tracks the performance of the sponsors of those four major sports leagues and the teams in those leagues. We'll tell you more about that. It's a really interesting concept and maybe a good idea for some of you investors out there. My guest is Stacey Lewis. She's a 12-time winner on the LPGA Tour, two-time major winner. She has been the number one female golfer in the world and has been the Rolex LPGA Player of the Year. Here's my conversation with Stacy Lewis. You donated your winnings to Hurricane Relief in Houston, didn't you? That's where you're from, right?
0: I did, yeah. Last year's tournament, um, before the tournament, you know, with Harvey going on, I, you know, I just, I wanted to do something. So I said, whatever I make this week, I'm going to donate to Hurricane Harvey Relief. And then four days later, you have a trophy in your hand. So it was, it was pretty surreal week. And, you know, we've made a pretty significant impact um, already in in the city of Houston.
2: How did you first get into golf? I know you said you started playing when you were seven years yeah. old, but what was your influence that got you into golf?
0: Um, that was just my dad. He um, just a pretty kind of your average, you know, weekend player, and um, he just, you know, he would play on Saturday mornings, and I would go out meet him out there in the afternoon, and we would play nine holes, and um, just kind of became something we could do together. And then from there, you know, I just kind of slowly got better at every level. I was never that little kid that said. I want to be an LPGA golfer, you know. I was just, I enjoyed my way up there. I wanted to get a scholarship to play in college, and then now we're out here doing this.
2: So I have a 13-year-old daughter, and she's actually pretty good, but she's not super passionate about it. She does other things. She likes going out and playing with me, but it's not something where she's like, I got to go out and play all the time. Yeah. If you... I know participation for girls' golf, sometimes they have a hard time fielding high school and college teams. How do you make it more attractive for girls to play at a higher level and and play in high school and college and and ultimately maybe the LPGA Tour?
0: Yeah, I mean... uh, you know, I, I think some of your best golfers are athletes. They played a lot of sports growing up, so I always say to not specialize. You know, play other sports. You don't have to play golf every day at 10, 11, or 12 years old. You know, I always say I'd rather play my best golf when I'm 30 versus when I'm 18. So um, I would say play a lot of different sports, you know, be an athlete, and then once you get to, you know, your later years in high school, then let's start looking at things because there's so many – college golf scholarships that go unused still. So um, there's a lot of opportunity out there in golf.
2: Yeah, I had talked to Ty Votaw a few years ago, and he said the same thing, that so many scholarships go unused so again i guess you know letting people know that there's opportunities and scholarships out there and that these opportunities exist in in women's sports
0: right and it doesn't have to be at the division one level it could be a division two or division three and you still get a great education um but there's there's that opportunity there and you know, it doesn't consume as much of your time at that level, so your your daughter can be in a sorority and do whatever else she wants to do, and so it's a it's a it's a way to play a sport, but not have it be your life as well.
2: You are on maternity leave right now. Congratulations on on uh, having a daughter. I have a daughter, and it's it's the greatest thing in the world. But one of the things that has happened with you is KPMG is your sponsor, one of your sponsors, and they have agreed to. Uh, pay your maternity leave while you're gone. Maybe you can explain how that happened. Was it a surprise to you? Did you have conversations beforehand?
0: Um, I was shocked. I actually, I told, we told KPMG at the Masters that we were having a baby and they called us about a week later and said, this is what we want to do. Because in, normally way our contracts are written, you play a minimum number of tournaments and say it's 20. And if the year, say this year I think I've played 12 events. So I only get just over half of what the normal amount would be. So golf is, I mean, if you're not playing, you're not making money. So a lot of girls, you have to say, I'm willing to give up my income for a year to have a baby, which is going to cost me more money, right? So the math of it just doesn't really work out. And so what KPMG said is we're going to treat you like one of our employees and you're going to get the maternity, basically get maternity leave and we're going to pay your entire check. And I was floored. I mean, I just, I, th- I almost started crying on the phone. I mean, I just, I mean, I didn't even know what to say. It was um, unexpected, um, but it goes with you know their values and what they do. And and it started a chain reaction. I had a couple other sponsors step up. We started, you know, another sponsor. They're talking about extending their maternity policy, and it started a conversation. And that that was really the whole goal of putting it out there for everybody to see was let's get people to talk about this. And it's not just maternity, it's paternity leave as well that companies have. And um, I think it's an important thing to look at.
2: I've paid very close attention to Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I saw with her is when she came back, she was very low in the rankings. Yeah. And I've always said, like, I don't care what condition Serena is in. When she steps on the court, she's the favorite. But the rankings don't reflect that. So it seems like whether it's you being an independent contractor and your sponsors don't pay you for the tournaments you don't appear in or the rankings you're penalized for going and having a baby and, and I don't think that's right.
0: No, I did, you know, you shouldn't be and you know, way rankings work, you don't get points unless you play in the tournament. Right. And so luckily the LPGA has a pretty good policy that you get your same status when you come back. So you know I can play in all the tournaments I need to play in next year so luckily I'm good there but it's more the money side and golf and I think tennis is the same way of you don't get paid unless you play.
2: Besides doing things like what KPMG has done what do you look for in a sponsor partnership?
0: Um, it's really for me it's you have to be a little bit picky and it kind of needs to go with your values um, you know with things that i'm passionate about they need to be passionate about as well and um you know all all of my sponsors you know they i always say they believe in me enough they've invested in me they believe in what i'm doing and what i'm trying to do for the tour and i'm pretty proud of the fact that marathon kpmg pure silk they all are title sponsors on the lpj tour and um I don't know if that's me or what the influence is, but um, I'm just proud of the fact that they are making that investment in women's sports um, because it's it's become it's not a, it's not in the norm. But hopefully, this trend, this women's movement, we keep things going in that right direction.
2: Speaking of the women's movement, I heard you say earlier. You know, one of your goals would be to get this event and others on network TV. Mm-hmm. What needs to be done to make that happen?
0: Um, well, there's contracts and things with the golf channel that need to be worked out. But um, you look at the men's tour, the, the ratings on network TV versus a golf channel or another network, is, I mean, it's not even close. And that is ultimately what drives sponsorship dollars. It's the amount of viewership, the number of people watching. So um, network TV is going to be a big deal for us in the future. And I hope that's, you know, somebody clicking through on a Saturday can just find women's golf that has never watched it before mm-hmm. you know that that's the ultimate goal is to, is to bring more people into the sport that don't play that don't have kids that just happen to be flipping through on a Saturday and they watch it
2: so you're on maternity leave but I just saw you here hitting some some pretty yeah. good shots <laughs> you, you can still hit it still there. how close are we
0: um it's still there you know it's um it, I can still hit the shots fine um just get pretty tired you know, I get to about 12 or 13 and it's, you feel like you're swinging the sledgehammer. That club got a little bit heavier. So, um, it's, that part of it was what the challenge had been the last few weeks. And then the travel, we start going overseas. Um, so I'll still play a little bit and kind of keep the body moving and keep things loose. And, um, you know, just knowing me, I'll be ready to go come January.
2: <laughs> well, the thing I heard t- earlier too for the first time is that you grew up with scoliosis. And I play golf, not at your level, but I can't imagine playing golf, a game where you need to use your back regularly with scoliosis. How did you overcome that?
0: Um, Well, fortunately, as a kid, it never really hurt me that much. Um, Just had to wear that hard plastic back brace. Um, But then, you know, I had the surgery, had a rod. Now I have a rod and five screws in my back. So there's definitely some things that... um, you know, I have to make adjustments for, I have to make sure I stay in shape and keep everything around my back strong so it doesn't put as much pressure there. And, you know, I've done a really good job of that so far. And I just, you know, I feel really lucky. I mean, to look, you know, kind of when you get this time off, you kind of look back and say, wow, in 10 years, like, look at what I've done. And it's, it's, it's amazing to think of from coming out of back surgery. You may, I mean, on a slip of a knife or something happens, you don't play golf ever again to be where i am now i mean it's it's just it's amazing
2: yeah i guess so you probably took note not that he had scoliosis but back problems tiger woods and and what he just did in the british open pretty impressive because you know i don't know tiger but the reports i read he was in great pain for a long time and people didn't know if he'd ever get back to competing in a major
0: yeah i mean in just knowing how my back felt you know with the back surgery i knew he was going to get a lot of relief out of that and there's been a lot of stigma that um you know that a fusion is a bad thing and in his case a fusion was all that was a great thing you know and so um it's it's been cool to watch and see how he's come out of it um you know and i don't know hopefully it helps more people down the road
2: part of being a pro athlete is promoting your brand whether that's on social media doing media interviews like this how do you utilize social media and what's your general approach with being accessible and and knowing that you know you've got to promote your brand the sport you play and it's all part of this game of sports business
0: yeah I would say it is a game you know it's there's there's limits to it Um, I wouldn't say I enjoy all all aspects of social media because there's 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 some downsides to it as well and so um it's a for me personally it's kind of a hard balance um just i'm pretty private person and um don't really usually put out there what i'm having for dinner or what i'm eating and so it's more um for me it's more of i'd say a business tool of building the brand and getting golf stuff out there and what you're doing that way but um you do have to be a little bit careful with it um once you get in the public eye
2: Last question. Uh, so you're about to be a mom. What advice do you, and you're gonna have a daughter, what advice do you give to the parents out there who have daughters who wanna play sports, whether it's youth sports, college sports, or pro sports?
0: Um, just to not pressure them into it. And if, if your kid doesn't wanna do it, let, let get him in, get him in soccer, get him in softball. You know, it doesn't have to be a sport that you love. You know, I hope my little girl wants to play golf, but if she doesn't, we'll go to a basketball game or we'll go watch a soccer game, you know, whatever it is. Um, I just think sports and being in a team environment is so good um, for your for kids growing up. You know, you learn so much out of it that I hope I hope my kid is, you know, involved in sports or some sort of team activity in some way.
2: So I, I just have to follow up on that really quick. So, yeah, I've talked to Chris Everett and others. The difference between individual sport, which you play, and team sport you've got to be pretty mentally strong to play an individual sport because it's all on you right? right so some people have said playing a team sport earlier on in life mm-hmm. helps you get some wins early on the the pressure's not all on you to begin right. your athletic career would you agree with that
0: i do i think i think you find out a lot about the type of personality and um, i'd say like myself versus my sister's I was the one that wanted to do that individual sport, that wanted to have the pressure on me. You know, I, I would much rather that than be in a team sport of relying on somebody else to make mm. a kick or make a hit or whatever it is. I want to, I want to be that person doing it. And I just think that's a personality thing. That's just, that's one of those things you can't control. Um, and if your kid is that way, let them go, let them run with it. And if they're not, they can be just as productive in a team environment too.
2: Stacy, thank you so much and good luck yeah. to you.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Griggs, one of the biggest challenges for companies out there today is hiring. Most of the time, you post a job, you get a ton of resumes that are in your inbox or on your desk, and it's really hard to figure out where to even begin. But this is where ZipRecruiter comes in. They make it pretty easy to find the best resumes, the best candidates for the jobs that you have. I know that you're sometimes having to hire people. And you see how that process works. It's not an easy one. No, it's not. And I like ZipRecruiter because they do a really good job of filtering out. You can really filter it down to what you want to look for for your employees that you're hiring. So um, no, no matter what kind of career you're in or business you're in, you can really filter it out. And you know that these are you know good candidates and they're qualified candidates. And that makes it really nice. So I, I enjoy using ZipRecruiter. I think it's a good product for sure. So, they send your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards. They have a powerful matching technology. They use AI, which is really cool. They scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience. And then they invite them to apply for your job. So ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So this is the other thing, Griggs. When people are hiring, like they need someone yesterday. They don't have time to, you know, go through a month long or two month long process. They want to find someone right away. So if you can find quality matches within the first day, that helps you save time. Yeah. And you're right. Time is the, is in the essence. You have to have that employee like you said yesterday so uh, the thing i like too is it's i feel like it's all real resumes it's real people you don't get the spam and the scams on right. it it feels like these are people that are actually going to be qualified to work with me the other thing that i like that gives credibility to what ZipRecruiter is doing if you look at the world of college and pro athletics they work with florida state ucla usc the chicago blackhawks the washington capitals these are big brands big entities if they're putting their trust in ZipRecruiter, you should too. So with results like that, it's no wonder the ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. Here's the deal. Right now, our listeners, Sports Business Radio listeners, can go to ZipRecruiter and you can get it for free. So how do you do this? You go to ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR, like Sports Business Radio, and you can try Zip Recruiter for free. I promise you, whether you're posting for a job or you're looking for a job, this is going to be a tool that you're going to thank us that we introduced you to. Zip Recruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. My guest is Jim Cozumore. He is the Chief Strategy Officer for Sports ETFs. You can find them online at sportsetfs.com. Longtime sports broadcaster. You can follow him on Twitter at cos. NBCS. Jim, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you?
1: Brian, I'm doing great. It's an honor to be on with you guys. I'm a big fan.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of your work, too. You've done Olympics and you've done a lot of amazing uh, things in the world of broadcasting, but you're now working with Sports ETFs as their chief strategy officer, as we just mentioned. Explain to our audience what Sports ETFs is, because when you told me about this, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting, Brian. You know, as you mentioned, I've been in sports for a long time. I've been a sports broadcaster for over 30 years, and I'll be entering my 24th year in the NBA this upcoming season. And along the way, we always get inundated with the business side of sports. And I kept seeing year after year all of these different core four major sports leagues. The revenue continues to grow. And I kept wondering, why are all these companies continuing to give money to these leagues? What's in it for them Do they just want to meet the left tackle and get a nice picture taken during training camp or maybe get a chance to go to a practice and see guys up close and personal? Well, it had to be more than that. It had to be, is it good for business? And so we tried to come up with a way, a method, that could judge or gauge the success of corporate partnerships with the core four U.S. uh, sports leagues. And we were able to do that by tracking stock prices. And so we built about 20 to 25 different indices to try and see what was the most true version of that. And so if we took all of the corporate partners for the four leagues, and those are the corporate partners that are able to utilize the the logo or the shield of the four leagues, we took took them and put them in a basket. We started to track their uh, stock prices over a number of years. And what we found was that these companies, which are major large cap companies for the most part have a little bit of an advantage over other companies in their sector, and it helps their stock price and their bottom line. And it was really fun to watch. And we were went officially up and running on July 11th of 2017. And in the last year, we've seen an amazing amount of growth among the leagues. And it's really interesting to see the differences in those four leagues as well, Brian.
2: Jim, let's start with who are some of these companies? Give our listeners some of the companies that are part of this index.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because... There are many that you would really consider, Brian, that would make sense. Nike is a part of it, Coke and Pepsi, Budweiser. Uh, But then you start to look at all of these sports and how they're starting to advance a lot of their techniques of marketing and sales. And what they're doing is creating new categories. And so you're starting to see a large influx of tech companies becoming more and more involved. Apple is a part of it. You've got Microsoft involved in it. You've got Amazon through their streaming rights, and they also have a data deal with one of the core four leagues. Berkshire Hathaway through their insurance products. So it's, it's companies that you would understand, clearly use most each and every day, and then there are some that are starting to gravitate towards sports, understanding that when a business like Amazon, which is so enormous, tries to find a new way to gain revenue share, and they're choosing to go to the sports route, you know there's something to it, and so... Uh, Right now, there are about 75 different companies that are publicly traded that are partners with the four leagues, one of the four leagues. Overall, there's a little over 100 of those, but some of those, Brian, are private companies, so we can't track those as well. But we're able to track those companies that are publicly traded, and it's a great mix of different sectors throughout the uh, investment industry.
2: So, Jim, if I'm an investor, am I correct in saying that if I purchase... F-A-N-Z is the the ticker symbol. If I purchase that, does that put all of the? does it aggregate all of these companies into uh, one index or one fund, and then that's my my stock, so to speak, or my fund that I own?
1: Excellent question. So what we do is take these 75 companies, and we equally weighted those, Brian, because we felt that if you were a partner of one of the leagues, you are on the same playing ground. It doesn't matter if you're Amazon and your company is worth billions or your company is only worth $100 million, You still are on the same playing ground. So it's an equally weighted index that we've put together, and that's exactly it. it. It has become an ETF known as FANS, F-A-N-Z. And in the first year, year to year, if you take a look at the performance of those companies who are uh, involved in sports against the broader index of the S&P 500, Uh, the uh, Pro Sports Sponsors Index outperformed the S&P year-to-year by over 2.5%, and there's a 3% dividend on top of that. Hmm. And so you're looking at a, a really nice return for these companies. So that's how it would work out in the form of an ETF.
2: That's really interesting. It's an interesting concept. But, you know, I agree with you. I think people who have an affinity for sports, they also seem to have an affinity for the companies that support or sponsor sports. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah, well, there's so much research, uh, research that's been done by different companies, one including McKinsey and Company, that show that people do have an affinity if they are a fan of a league or of a team. They will reach up at a shelf, and when they see two bars of soap, but one has the logo of a league, they tend to gravitate towards it. It might sound a little bit silly, but we do have this intuitive way about ourselves. When we see something we're familiar with, we know that that can of soda is something that would make us happy but when we see it's got the attachment of a league mark or it's got a team mark on it we tend to go that direction and so that tends to bear itself out plus the fact that these companies are getting an opportunity to be put in front of such an active fan base but the key is being the great equalizer that sports has become it's a great way for companies to market to an active and loyal fan base and they found that it really does help their company in whatever given sector that they're in.
2: So, Jim, again, longtime broadcaster, how did you get involved with sports ETFs?
1: You know, it's funny. A lot of people, Brian, are have really hard jobs that they have to go to every day, and their getaway is sports. You and I love sports, and I'm blessed enough to get a chance to work in the sports industry and have done so for a number of years But when you work in sports, you can't have sports as your hobby, so you needed to find something else. My hobby became investing and looking at finance and looking at different ways to, I don't know, find how to invest my money. And this is something that has been fascinating me forever, all the way back to when Michael Jordan was a big star. And I remember there was a story about Michael Jordan and all the different corporations that he was a spokesperson for and how over a period of time those corporations outperformed the basic S&P 500. And that stayed with me for so many years that I eventually was able to put that into effect in another realm, and that was by gauging this. So that's how I got into, uh, I don't know, putting together indices and just looking at sports through a business lens.
2: And who are your partners on this project?
1: Well, we have some great partners. My uh, co-founder is Nick Fullerton, who runs his own uh, advisory firm with over $50 million in assets. But our advisory board and investor firm uh, includes one of the members of the uh, ownership group of the Sacramento Kings, as well as former San Francisco 49er Brent Jones, who, as you know, used to run his own VC that was a $5 billion company. And so we lean on a number of people that are in our advisory board and our investors uh, community uh, that have really been able to point us in the proper direction on a lot of things. So it's been a fun process. Oh, and including uh, uh, one other excellent business executive by the name of Andy Dolich. He's on our advisory board as well, and he's helped uh, link us to a number of different people who have helped us in this project. So we have some pretty smart people who have a great sports background, and we're really excited about the project moving forward. And the many other indices, honestly, Brian, that there are out there, if you take a look at other sectors, you look at global opportunities with uh, soccer, if you take a look at uh, European opportunities, Sports is a great way to look at business, and uh, this is just one way, and we've been very happy with the
2: results. So, again, the best ways for people to find out more about sports ETFs, it's the website, sportsetfs.com. And then FANS, F-A-N-Z, is the the ticker symbol, right?
1: Yeah, it is correct. And so what we did was build the index, so that's the benchmark, that performed in year-to-year. Uh, from july 11th of 2017 to 2018 at almost 18 percent and then the etf is the tracking exchange traded fund that follows along with it that is traded And if you're a fan of sports and you're a fan of investing and you're looking for what, listen, most of us, Brian, don't have the kind of capital it takes to buy into a professional sports team, but this is a way to get a nice little slice of what these leagues are getting and to determine just how well those companies do. And if you want to follow something in an investing fashion, Fans ETF is a great way to do it. So please go to the website, take a look, and you can see a lot of our financial information. But it's a a fun project and a great way for a a sports fan to become involved in investing.
2: Jim, I love this idea. I love this company that you started. Uh, I will follow it closely. You can follow Jim on Twitter at KOZNBCS. Jim, good luck with this, and thanks so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio.
1: Brian, it's an honor to be on. Thanks so much for having me on. Again, I'm a big fan, and best of luck to you guys as well.
2: Thank you so much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., Today's sports fans expect strong, fast, mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company... That can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to Hadley Heck. She's a student athlete at Portland State University, and she's our new Sports Business Radio intern. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at boingo. I want to welcome ZipRecruiter to our family of sponsors. Again, really happy to have them on board. My listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. Happy to have them on board. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on audio boom via the TuneIn radio and Stitcher apps. And of course at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.
1: Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger,
2: bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and Co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Bust.
0: Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank
2: you so, so
1: much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir.
2: Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Bart. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow
0: us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
2: Stay connected to the business side of sports
1: only with Sports.